Welcome, everybody, to another edition of What's My Line, coming to you from the studios out here in Los Angeles, California. And today I got very on a very special guest, a good friend of mine, a friend who I wish I knew back when I was growing up because it would have made growing up a lot more funner because we both share the same passion of wrestling or pro wrestling. Uh, Mr. Alex Mattis. Alex, how's it going, buddy? Good, good. Um, thanks for having me on. Coming to you from Drizzly, Austin, Texas. It's uh, how's the weather out in LA? I imagine it's a little bit better than it is here today. Oh, it's it, it's not it's not drizzling out here. So there you go. But yeah, definitely uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I share those sentiments. I, I wish definitely in like middle school that I had someone like you to talk with, because uh, obviously back in those days, uh, after. Um, I guess who would have, after Austin and Goldberg kind of died down, there wasn't many people to talk to about wrestling. Sure, yeah. Uh, like, what, 2000, 2003 when the Reign of Terror started. Oh, God, yeah. It would it would have been nice to have someone to vent to at that point in time. <laughs> uh, let me tell you this right now. If, you, if me and you would have known each other back in April of 2003, my opinion of WrestleMania 19 would have been a little <laughs> bit different back then. Well, shit, it's... Sure. Yeah, it's. I was gonna say it's almost twenty years later, and I and I still hear you go off about it every now and then. Exactly, it's, it's, it's bullshit. I mean, for people who don't know, the context of the Triple H versus Booker T World Title Feud was that black people don't win championships. They ne- okay, they never said black people don't win championships, but they came very fucking close to saying that. They they walked that thin line, and guess what happened? The white guy <laughs> went over. <laughs> he went. Like, he went over in the worst fucking way possible too. It was the thirty second pin. I literally, he hits the pedigree. I could have made a sandwich. I could have brushed my hair. I could have took a shower. And Booker T would still be laying out, passed out. It's true. I mean, all hail. I mean, I, I, yeah, Trips is doing good things in NXT, but I, that's the one booking decision I still hold him against for. Because like, come on. Who, who in their right mind should have, would have ever approved Triple H going over in that feud the second they brought race into it? Yeah, it's uh, it's still you're not alone in that. It's still anytime you know the all time worst booking decisions come up. I think that's at the top of a lot of people's lists. And you know, like the the crazy thing because I remember the sheets were kind of trying to justify it as um, oh Trips had to win because he wanted to look strong for Goldberg. It's like okay. Booker could at least had a month reign in there, and Trip would have still been fine. He was already a made man at that point. Hey, man, it was you know that two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three stretch where, God damn it, Triple H has to beat everybody, one way or the other. They're all gonna kiss the ring. <laughs> all right. Well, enough, well, enough about two thousand three and the old Triple H reign and terror booking. Um, I always want to ask you, Alex, how did you get into wrestling? What was like, what was the first match you remember? I mean, the cliche answer is Hulk Hogan. I, I, my parents always tell me that it was just a Saturday night, and if I had to guess, it was probably like Saturday night's main event or something, and just landed on it on the TV, and I think that's pretty much the story of a lot of people in our age bracket. Saw Hulk Hogan and came alive. The first match I remember uh, watching was probably WrestleMania Seven. I want to say. I have faint memories of being a little kid watching that, which... Uh, for some reason, I always remember the Demolition versus Tenru and Katow match, which is probably the least notable from that entire card. But for whatever reason, that's probably kind of in my memory. Match. You're probably the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Tenru or Katow remembers that match. I don't think an action well, match remember Or what, Katow, what God the, rest his soul. Was it Accent Smash or was it a Accent or Crushing Smash? It was Crushing Smash. I think uh, Bill Eady had already gotten the hair plugs and was. Looking for that Lloyd's of London money. Gotcha, gotcha. So your Hulk Hogan was your first favorite wrestler growing up? Yeah, and I mean, obviously now it's not something to trumpet, but uh, no, it, no, it was I mean, Hulk. Regardless, regardless of you know, you know the the man's personal preferences, he was a hero to he was a hero to me as a kid too. And then finding out that you know he's racist, but <laughs> <laughs> but still, I I loved Hogan as a kid, like. You can't imagine anybody, like especially in our age bracket, who didn't love Hulk Hogan, who wasn't like saying their prayers, eating their vitamins, wanting to grow the twenty-inch python, brother. Oh hell yeah, yeah! It was pretty much just the whole uh, the roller coaster was the Hogan Warrior 
Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, and then I, you know, started learning about work rate in the internet, and then all my tastes started to change. I'm surprised you didn't mention Brett in there. You went from the warrior to Shawn without mentioning Brett. So all truth be told, Brett is a retroactive love of mine. I liked him when I was a kid, but uh, Sean was my favorite. And then I, I don't know if I flipped harder on something from being a child to an adult as my stance on Brett and Sean. When, when did you switch to the post? I mean, assuming post uh, Montreal, but like, do you remember the exact moment you realized Brett was the uh, better of the two? My opinion. About uh, that, so. Yeah. Uh, it was really just when I really started to learn, like uh, grow as a fan and learn like, you know, what to me made a good match and what made a good wrestler and just going back. And I remember rewatching probably in the mid two thousands, the um, Bret Hart and Bulldog match from the 95 in your house, their actual five-star classic and just being like blown away by something that was 10 years old and just how good Bret was. I think that was right around the time of the sean hogan match too so like going off of both of those and just comparing you know their willingness to give and things like that it it was kind of eye-opening as a young adult i think for me growing up after after you know hulk hulk and savage i kind of latched on to brett because they were this was 94 so they were like heavy on the into making brett the man and one of my earliest memories, him and Owen in that cage match, which I still think is the best cage match from uh, SummerSlam 94. Yeah, that, that's a hell of a match. I mean, pretty much, I mean, I don't, I'd have to really rack my brain. I'm, I'm fairly confident, like, anything Bret Hart did between 94 and 97 was just, like, absolute gold. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You mentioned the whole retroactive thing. It's nowadays people say oh brett was the face of the new generation era but it's like man they at the time they just didn't know what they had with brett because while they had brett as champion they were, vince was still like okay i need to find my big guy i need to like i need to uh let's let me put something with luger and then that didn't work let me do diesel and then he tried diesel for a, for a long time and it wasn't really clicking and like, he always kept coming brett back to brett so i kind of it's funny when I always when I always see your interviews is uh, like the WWE Network when they keep saying, "Oh, Brett was the guy back in the days." Like, well, they weren't pushing him like the guy. They were kept trying to. It's like the Daniel Bryan right now. Like, I bet you anything, like fifteen years from now, they're gonna be, they're gonna be. Uh, and we make this joke too. How, oh, WrestleMania thirty was the plan on along, but like, no, when you look at the moment, they were they weren't making Brett the guy. It was Vince was so pushed on that like big guy, the bodybuilder type. They basically knew Brett was going to be like the constant. Like they knew he was, he was, uh, he was always there. He was kind of like, um, I think a good analogy would be he was kind of like how grunge bands used the Ramones like as opening acts and cover songs in the 80s and early 90s of like, well, we know we have this thing here that's always going to be great. So we should probably use it to, when we can and use it to plug up holes when they present themselves. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't, I don't know of a, a, a company that's made the global footprint of the WWF that uh, has as great of revisionist history as they do. Cause yeah, to your point, Brett, like the majority of the time, Brett was co-main slot. I mean, if you look at his 95, it was, he wasn't the guy. It was he was wrestling, you know, Bulldog and Isaac Yankum and um, Hakushi and PCO, and it was all great. But you know, yeah, they're definitely going to present it as such. And like you said, the best is going to be when we're, you know, watching these documentaries fifteen years from now. And well, f- shit, Triple H already said it on Steve Austin's podcast. He was like, "Yeah, the plan from SummerSlam 2013 to WrestleMania 30 was Daniel Bryan." It's just like. Just don't bullshit me for once, man. Just say it like it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and kind of going back to Brett, his his uh, I mean, besides ninety seven, which is again, I don't think his reign was that long. His longest reign was in ninety four, and he never made it in the pay per view. King of the Ring, it was uh, oh yeah, he made it at WrestleMania ten, but King of the Ring was Piper and Lawler, SummerSlam, Undertaker and Undertaker, uh, and then I even think I think at Survivor Series it's Taker and Yoko again as well. Well, according to the history books, Hulk Hogan main evented WrestleMania 9. Uh, he, uh, oh, you said 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, he did main right. event 10. 
because they had to do the right thing from the year prior when Hogan cashed in his money in the bank. Hey, you know, when you when you add a briefcase into that scenario, WrestleMania 9 is a little has a better ending. You like say, oh, Hogan retroactively cashed in his money in the bank briefcase. Yeah, it's it's still one of those things. I at this point, you know, I just laugh when I watch it. But just imagining the, you know, the whole scenario of Vince explaining to Brett what's going to happen. And then you're going to, you know, you're going to be a Hulkamaniac, too, pal. You're going to tell him to go get him. And then the best part about it is that Hulk wins and then Brett is nowhere to be seen. He just sauntered off of the back somewhere. He, he, yeah, Hogan snapped his fingers and Brett disintegrated into the air. That's cra- it's crazy how like a, a master manipulator of Vince McMahon is because he tells Brett, okay, well, Hogan's going to win the belt here at Mania, but it's going to lead to this match of you and, you and Hulkster at uh, SummerSlam, which never happens. Yeah, and that's one of those, you know, forever unsolved mysteries of pro wrestling, that whole legend of the the um, photo shoot for WrestleMania or SummerSlam 93. And, you know, God, and I've already put over Brett enough. And Brett, you know, is, is a true hero to me. And I love Brett. But listening to him explain, you know, what Vince laid out for him about how he was going to beat Ultimate Warrior at Royal Rumble 93 and then beat Hogan at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. It's, I believe that Brett believes it, but I'm not really sure that's how it went down. Yeah, it's like, a, again, I, I love Brett too, but when I hear that story of like, yeah, Vince told him that Warrior's going to tap out to the sharpshooter, and it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure you believe that, but how, how did Vince pitch this to you? Because like, even hearing this now, it's like, there's no way I envision Warrior ever tapping out. Oh, yeah. And like you said, it's Vince McMahon... Um, if he wanted to, uh, I'm positive he could have figured out a way to be the first president, you know, elected to a third term type of thing. Like he, I mean, he's, he's in his seventies now and he still is able to convince this class of wrestlers that he has now, you know, Hey, yeah, go out there and do this. Like, you know, Chad Gable, for example. Hey, we're going to call you Shorty G, but this is why it's going to be good for you. And this guy just kind of he figures he goes along with it. So Vince is in a class all his own in terms of being a, a manipulator and a salesman. Yeah, like even uh, another example, CM Punk, as much as, uh, as crap as he talks about after he left the WWE, he always kind of praised Vince. You know, and you can kind of get the, the inner workings of him and Vince's relationship. Where he's always like, oh, hey, I owe you one, pal. Hey, I owe mm-hmm. you one, pal. It's like... These wrestlers, I think we've talked about this before too. Like Vince is like this such mythical figure to them because they, like us, have grown up watching the WWF forever. So yes. like when you finally meet Vince, it's just like you kind of get this weird father fi- figure, you know, portrayal of you know. Yeah, I mean, and it's that we could podcast for three hours about the psychological state of pro wrestling right now. But exactly to your point, that's why there are no big stars anymore. And that's, you know, there's two reasons. One, uh, unless something drastically changes, the WWE is never going to let someone get over to the point where they have leverage again. And then two, you know, uh, everyone coming in, you know, or at least 90% of them grew up fans and they just think, cause you know, they've grown up watching the same documentaries and stuff that we have. They just believe, well, Vince will just tell me what to do and everything will work out because, Traditionally, I mean, if history's shown us anything, things usually work out in Vince's favor. Uh, but I think there's, it's definitely a layered thing of why we haven't had a big star in a long time. Yeah, let's kind of, let's kind of touch up on that because I've, I've been making the argument with a lot of my friends that John Cena is probably going to be the last big star that WWE is ever going to make. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least on purpose. The, yeah. They they had a star. They had their next big star in 2017, and you and I have talked about this before. They, Braun Strowman could have been a big deal. Uh, you know, I don't think Braun was never going to have 30 minute classics and you know all that shit. But he he got organically over to the point where all the fans would have bought him as a a star. But you're not the plan, pal. 
and, and we can't have you getting over to the point where you have leverage and God bless Braun. He's definitely one that we've talked about before that in a different era when he would have, you know, known that he could say no to things or just, you know, that creative doesn't work for me, brother. He would have been a, a huge, huge star. But uh, to your point, yeah, John Cena, I didn't appreciate how big of a star John Cena was in real time. You know, I was still, I think everyone else is now getting that kind of like, like you said with Brett, like that revisionist man, John Cena was like this big deal back in the, like, this whole like quote unquote big match, John. It's, it's kind of true. Like now that he's been yeah. gone here, you really miss him. Yeah, I mean, he was. I, I didn't appreciate him until kind of towards the end, uh, because I was, you know, when he he was on the come up. I was, uh, you know, mid two thousand, so I would have been a freshman in college, just learning about ROH and you know uh, Noah and all this Japanese wrestling. So. You know, I'm really young and dumb, and that's my wrestling, and this John Cena guy is no good. And it took me a lot to really appreciate him, and I do think he's one of the best ever. But more so, the more thing I appreciate was he was a star. I think a lot of people, I mean, anybody, anybody coming after The Rock is not going to seem like as big of a star by comparison. But, you know, Cena, just comparing numbers, like the business he did, he, he was a star, and, like, people bought him as a celebrity, as they, you know, do now. And for a while, he was the guy that anybody that didn't watch wrestling would still know, oh, that's that thing John Cena does. You know, another thing, too, like, and this, this obviously really does go a long way. When you see John in interviews, he portrays himself as a good, like, company guy. Like, compare between him, and I love, I love Dave, too, but, like, between him and Batista and Orton as well, too, to a lesser extent, John is the guy that I would like say, okay, I'm going to put my company behind him because I can, I can send him to Good Morning America to the, to the Today Show to host SNL, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's great at all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's Batista is great and Orton is one of the all-time great comedic wrestlers, whether he knows it or not. So I'll never say a bad thing about him as a wrestler. But um, I, I would not have the same confidence in Randy Orton's ability to field questions that, 6 a.m. in the morning on a radio talk show. And again, and it kind of, again, too, like, John did, did end up becoming the guy, but you have to remember, they were pushing Randy before John. They were like, okay, Randy's going to be our guy, and then he didn't, you know, his little, his first face run didn't go so well. It's like, okay, Dave is going to be our guy. And then when they switched Batista and Cena back in 2005, like, Batista went to the SmackDown and Cena went to Raw. And I think they were still kind of pushing Batista as a bigger star of the two. I think when Batista went down with his first injury and that, and when John was able to step up, because that's also when like the Benoit stuff happened, the steroids. Allegedly. Like, the fact, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you had like that John was there kind of running the ship and he did such a good job. And I think that was when Vince kind of like said, okay, you're going to be our guy. Because that was the, the year that he was champion for 380 days, which I think is still his longest run. Yeah, and I think the if I remember correctly, the story was always the the group that came out of that OVW class was Batista, Randy Orton, Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, and Cena. And I think at least the way Cena told it, uh, he was like last in line. And yeah, I mean he he just had um, an intangible. He he could um, his interviews and he could just get crowds alive like no one's business he could he could get two two uh kids in their early 20s and you you and me to fly across the country for wrestlemania 28 just by his promo work with the rock so he uh he deserves probably more praise than he gets which i know is a lot i agree like kind of what you said too like i i still remember when he debuted against kurt angle he had a certain look and like like i said certain intangible factor about him and i was like okay i'm 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 intrigued on this guy. I want to see where this guy goes, you know? Yeah. And, and his, his ability to have main event matches, you know, in bold font, that is really as good as almost anyone ever. And I mean, that, like the entire spectrum, like when you think about his big matches, yeah, it's not, there wasn't a bunch of chain wrestling and shit like that, but, like his match with Umaga at the Royal Rumble, his match with The Rock at WrestleMania. Like you just think of these big matches he had and his ability to captivate and like make a match feel like a big deal. I remember the Elimination Chamber where he wrestled uh, Owens 
than Corpus and like NXT was nowhere near what NXT is now. So it, the crowd there didn't really know who Owens was, but just based on Cena being Cena by the end of it, they were like white hot in this fever pitch thinking they were watching the greatest thing of all time. Yeah. That was, uh, that was during his, what his U S title open challenge days. <laughs> yeah. Work rate, John, uh, yeah, exactly. forget what they called it. Uh, PWG John is what people called him on Twitter. Which, which again, for a guy, because that was still very late in his career to to perform at that level, is very impressive. Like, yeah, it was a and his, for the best thing of all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And his last like um, few years, uh, I think he kind of saw that his on him on he saw himself on the way out before anyone else did. And like looking back, you can see it because it seemed like his whole thought was I'm just going to give back as much as I can until I get out of here because he was just, you know, uh, putting people over left and right and just giving and giving and giving. And the one I always say, the, um, the WrestleMania 34 match with undertaker, there's no star ever at the level of John Cena besides John Cena that would have agreed to just go out there and get squashed in two minutes at WrestleMania. Uh, you, to kind of elaborate that SummerSlam when Brock squashed him, you can, can you oh. imagine Hogan, Austin, any other top guy agreeing to that? No, and that, and that that's why John's smart because that match, like, and talk about revisionist history. Up until that point, there weren't too many people thinking that five million dollar investment on Brock was going to pay off. Uh, I mean, he had that all time classic with Punk. But aside from that, his run so far had been fairly underwhelming, aside from the Punk match and the first match with Cena. But then when Cena just let him kill him, and, you know, they were showing kids crying in the audience and stuff, and everyone's like, holy shit, Brock's, like, going to be this huge monster heel. And that was almost six years ago, and it's, you know, it's held true. That match did so much for Brock, and that's because Cena was willing to take that ass beating. Like I said, John's a, John's a great guy, like, it is sad that we're never going to get a star like him. And I know we mentioned Braun, but like the guy who should be the man right now, Roman Reigns, just like, I don't understand what they've been doing with him this past couple of years. Like, I always go back to WrestleMania 31, where, yeah, the crowd wasn't really behind him, but I still say, fuck it, rip the bandage off. He should have just, he should have beaten Brock. Because that once it. that went hidden, that was it. Yeah. It's, and Roman's, you know, Never going to say a bad thing about him as a wrestler, and he's definitely um, shown the patience of Job with wrestling fans. But as far as you know, being a guy, that's it. it you know, it, you you can only lose the big match so many times, and he's lost the big match so many times. And the <clears throat> the one time where it seemed like they had it back was uh, WrestleMania 34, and bring that up again. And then he just lost completely clean to Brock Lesnar. And, you know, it, you see it with Seth Rollins also. They, it goes back to what I was saying. It just kind of sucks. They don't want anyone to get over to the point where they're, like, huge and, like, bigger than the company. And because of that, you see things like this just stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. I know some people call it 50-50 booking. It's just, you know, it seems like with Roman and Seth and uh, everyone, they tr have tried to make a guy or the guy since Cena uh, it's always a one step forward, two steps back thing, and that's and that's that's not exclusive to the the dudes. You know, we talked about Oscar, and uh, they kind of fumbled that, and then that's why it's so hard to get excited about things. Like the big thing right now with me is just let's just put the rocket on Alistair Black and see what happens. Like, there's no reason, there's no excuse you can come up with to not just say let's just take a chance on this guy. Uh, with the exception of he can't do the Saudi shows. But I, and because I've seen how they've done things the past few years, it's so hard for me to get excited about him and his undefeated streak because he's probably just going to lose on Raw to Rusev or something. Like uh, the, best, uh, the best example of that for a wrestler is, I mean, for God's sake, look at Dolph Ziggler. Like <laughs> the, the start and stop pushes of that guy completely. There is, even if they like try pushing him hard again, no one's ever going to buy it because we've been through this. We've been through this several times. I just, I keep going back to like 2014. That was the last gasp of Dolph, of Dolph Ziggler after that Survivor Series match. And he mm -hmm. only got, was in that spot because Reigns was uh, out with the hernia. And yet they still did nothing with it. Like he, 
when he eliminates he uh, oh god he beats Seth Rollins to uh, end the Authority Sting debuts and helps him out and like the crowd is going crazy <laughs> for Dolph weird for match. Year. yeah exactly <laughs> and then and then like a month later they he gets fired from Raw and he's gone he's gone for a whole month and he just loses all of his momentum when he comes back. Yeah, and, and I mean, the best you can do right now with the way the structure of the WWE is set up is being a Randy Orton or a Samoa Joe. Two guys that right. are smart enough to know when they lose, how to lose, and also, like, both of them carry themselves like, you know, pro athletes. I mean, Randy's a dickhead. Joe is... <laughs> Samoa Joe, God bless him, is one of the only dudes left who... Everyone legitimately believes he could beat the shit out of anyone he wanted to. And um, both of them are smart enough to know in this current climate, part of the thing is you got to stay gone for a little bit just to, you know, get warmed back up. And then either of those guys, and then AJ's in that category too, those are the three guys that you can easily just shine up for a title program in like a week's build. But everyone else, to your point, are just, it's a bunch of Dolph Ziggler's, just these geeks that just lose half the time and win half the time. Yeah, no, no one gets over. Like, um, like God, we can keep talking about like misused wrestlers, but another one, Ryback. I mean, look back on Ryback should have beaten Punk. Yeah, it's hard for me to look back and say positive things about Ryback because that dude's such a fucking idiot. But um, I, I do agree <laughs> that it's it was so weird because didn't they do that pay per view in like three weeks build? And it and it popped the buy rate too. Back when buy rates meant something. Because that that was still, you know, it's amazing how much things have changed just in the, I guess that was six years ago or so, but um, because he just won a lot. They just, all they showed of him on TV was just him winning. And then they gave him a title match and everyone's like, holy shit, what are they going to do here? And then wasn't it like a when so wasn't bastardized too. There wasn't like nowadays, oh, you can have a, you can have a fuck finish in hell. So you can have a DQ finish in hell to the cell for some odd reason. That was oh, the, yeah. Like, it was Punk and Ryback in Hell in a Cell. And at that point, the, at least the gimmick hadn't been butchered yet. So, like, we were, I remember at that time, everyone was wondering, how are they going to get themselves out of this? Yeah, and that's you brought up that DQ Hell in a Cell thing. That's someone we haven't talked about either is Bray Wyatt. And that's why this oh, Fiend thing is... We'll get, we'll get to Bray in a second. We'll get to Bray in a second. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, he's, he's another one that's just kind of a, a victim of the time of, like, this Fiend thing would be cool if I hadn't already seen him lose a million times on pay-per-view. Yeah, like, with, I think you, you and our buddy Stein, you know, keep the gimmick there. Uh, you guys always keep saying how the Cena loss at uh, WrestleMania 30 was like a mercy killing for him. Yeah, I remember at the time we were all like, what the hell? Bray Wyatt should have won. Man, you want to talk about revisionist history. I am very glad that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it should have been, and then he's just called a lot of people liars since then and had, uh, like, two or three good singles matches. But I only think of one, Brian, at uh, Rumble uh, six years ago. Yeah, I was, I was trying to just overshoot and be polite. But, but hey, man, that dude's making bank. He just wrestles, like, 89 Andre, just comes out and does a few moves and leaves and... He's got a really pretty wife or fiance or whatever, so he's winning in the end. Yeah, like like you mentioned, my my biggest problem with the fiend right now is just like, again, I've seen this with Bray. Like, oh yeah, then maybe the, maybe they'll push him, but I I've seen him lose like so many times. It's just hard. It's really hard for me to get back into his character, and especially now. Like, I, it's, it's this is like this sounds like a very like pessimistic wrestling fan, but like. I just know where this is going. Like, I and oh, yeah. we'll get get into rumble predictions here in, in like a little bit. But like, I just know it's going to lead to Bray losing at WrestleMania because he's never won at WrestleMania either. At their biggest, he's like the reverse Undertaker. <laughs> Always like he gets put in big matches, loses, loses, and loses. And that worst, the worst one, that Orton one at thirty three with the with the maggots on the screen. I still have never seen that match all the way through. I was using the bathroom and getting a beer during that, and then. I think I've told you my story. I, I came back and I guess it was the third time they like showed something on the mat and no one around me reacted, but I hadn't seen it yet. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, 
yeah, and my thing with Bray, God bless him, is just I, I was at SummerSlam when he debuted The Fiend in that entrance. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then the match started, and I just started laughing because I was like, oh, yeah, it's Bray. I mean, he, he's, it works, I guess, but he's not a guy that he has one match, and oh, that works and, well. And, and then kind of, I just, I just remember that too. Like, here we go, starting stop pushes. You have, okay, The Fiend is hot. And then what do they do for his next match? He doesn't win the title. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, rip the bandage off. Have him just beat Rollins at Hell in a Cell. The fact that the, the fact that they laid it a month, it just kind of killed that fiend character for me. Yeah, and that that entire match was, as we say, it was it was certainly a decision they made. Uh, I remember watching that and just it was it was like. Um, a Friday the Thirteenth movie where you know he keeps shooting Jason, and he just comes. But it it was just so stupid. It it shows kind of I don't know. Everyone says tone deaf and they don't listen to their audience and whatnot. It it's to me it's more of just how did you think this was going to work in 2019? And that's the whole fiend character. That's why I think it'd be cool if like the fiend was like his um, demon. Like Fab Balor has, like he just comes out for like these big challenges and stuff. But uh, you know, like most things with the WWE, uh, WWE, excuse me, it it started getting some traction. So then they had to overanalyze it and just kind of micromanage it to the point where it wasn't entertaining anymore. And also, the other thing too that that match completely killed Rollins as a top guy because his finish, like Rollins hits his finish like twenty times and does nothing. Uh, I'd argue that Rollins. <laughs> Rollins was back as the top guy for one night uh, when he beat Brock at SummerSlam, and then he came out the next night and just did that nerdy-ass Seth Rollins promo. Yeah, I'm great. And it's... I, that guy, man. That poor guy. He he really he tried his absolute best, and God bless him for him. It's just the material they gave him. It, it seemed like uh, everything was against him the entire time. Yeah, good Christ. Like I can I can't imagine... I can't think of another run that just went south so quickly, like at every single turn. And like, granted, it started. I remember his reign. It started off well with the AJ program, and then and I know I know you love Corbin, but like a three month feud of Corbin, where he it also Seth won every single time, so there's no drama to it. It's like, why is this continuing? And then they you want to talk about? Oh, oh, good. I was just gonna say you want to talk about something that company has overanalyzed and micromanaged to the point of not being entertaining anymore. And that is Baron Corbin. Like he's such a dick and so naturally unlikable and he's so good in it. But for whatever reason, that means we've got to name him the constable and then we got to make him the king. And, you know, and yeah, I I think Corbin's, I think he's a great wrestler too, uh, for what he, for what he can do. And uh, so like the first time him and Seth wrestled, I was like, cool. But then, if I remember correctly, it was like it was three pay per views, and they were still wrestling each other on Raw every week, and it was just like, "Good God, end this!" Exactly, and that's and to, to the like inverse of that, and we'll and we'll get into we'll get into the women right now. Like it, it was like that with Becky and fucking uh, Lacey Evans. Like Becky would win at every single turn, and then she would face her on Raw and still win, but they would still be feuding forever. And I think, luckily, with Sasha coming back, that did kind of help Becky's run, but. Those first couple of months with Becky was not good, and I, and I blame the booking and her and Lacey Evans on that. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that was uh, Becky won the belt and Ronda left, and so you can't do that. And then the other person that matched Charlotte, her and Becky had already wrestled 8 million times, and so what they try to do is look for a fresh matchup, and what that ha- results in is someone who is not anywhere near close to ready to be a television pro wrestler uh, i mean she's better than i am but you know you have then you have like lacey evans on there with these matches with becky that do nothing to make becky look like a superstar and yeah it's and, and you know then they wonder why these things don't work out how would you say like becky's uh runs been going right now like well, how would you grade it uh people like her i mean her Conor McGregor act doesn't really do much for me personally. I, I loved like, um, not airhead, but kind of light Becky 
Like she kind of, you know, was always serious, but still there was like levity to her interviews and stuff like that. It seemed much more natural. You like do an Irish jig every now and then. Yeah, I mean, there was goofy shit, but like it it seemed a lot more natural. Like this just kind of it seems like her trying to, you know. Do a Conor McGregor promo or something to that effect. But that being said, there's no denying uh, live crowds love her, you know, and it's not like she has tanked ratings or done anything like that. I mean, the ratings have been kind of a stronghold. And so my personal opinion is like, it's kind of, I can take it or leave it. But when I see her in front of live crowds that are going ape shit for, her, I'm like, well, that's awesome. So it clearly works for some people and that's fine. Uh, just, and I'm already just already fuming. Cause I know she's going to beat Oscar on Sunday. Yeah. Like uh, my, my thoughts on Becky, I've, again, had a, such a rough start with Lacey Evans stuff, and then and I and I like I do like Natalia. I like her just fine, but like pushing Natalia in a, in a program again in 2019, it's it's like again Dolph Ziggler. Like I've seen this with Natalia. You guys aren't fully behind her, so I know like it's not going to mean anything. Like they had a, they did have a good opening match at at uh, not WrestleMania at SummerSlam, but it's like again you haven't done anything with, with Natalia for so long. It's just hard for anybody to buy into it. Absolutely. And that match was great. Um, and, but it's just like you're saying at no point of that match, did a single person believe Natalia was going to win. And that's just kind of like where we're at with all these things. We've seen all these people lose so many times that it, it becomes predictable in a not fun way. You know, 20 years ago, it was predictable in the sense that we knew Steve Austin was going to win, but it was still fun. Now it's just like, because there was still always the twinge of, you know, suspending your disbelief. Now it's just, we, we pretty much always know what's going to happen. And that, that makes it as a viewer not fun. And then it takes these people down a peg and it makes me upset because I, I want to believe they're all stars. But it's just like, God, I just saw you lose on Raw to fucking Ruby Riot. Yeah, exactly. No disrespect to Ruby Riot. Yeah, no, no, no disrespect at all. But again, it's just how they had how they're portrayed on TV. It's like, yeah, Natalia had did, had did nothing all all year and all the previous years. She was just being what Ronda's best friend, but and then that never went anywhere. So then she randomly gets a title shot because I mean, let's face it, it was Canada. Let's, let's mm-hmm. throw them off. And yeah, yeah, like again, I'll keep saying this. I like Natalia, but I never for a second thought that like Becky's run was in trouble. And then it wasn't until like the when Sasha came back, which is, I appreciated Sasha for taking that break because she she was also one of those people that like, yeah, you're, you're going to push Sasha, but it's never going to mean anything because like as soon as she wins the belt, she's going to lose it. So the fact that like when she did come back, she was like the for the first time in a long time she was a threat to somebody. And then, granted, she did not win the title, but still it kind of gave life into Becky's run. And then this Oscar thing, I'm happy it's ha- it's happening, but it should have happened the, literally the night after WrestleMania because. They keep mentioning it on TV, and, and I, do, I don't get the booking decision last year when they had Asuka tap out Becky and then just do nothing with that for the whole year. You can't tell me that, like, oh, last year at the Rumble, we're going to have Asuka beat Becky and tap her out, but we're going to come back to this a year later. You, they probably forgot. Somebody, well, like, probably... Okay. I, I was just going to say, it's that mentality they have now where wins and losses don't matter, because... All they were thinking about was that night, and their thought was, Becky will lose to Asuka so that people have sympathy for her and then go ape shit when she comes out and wins the Royal Rumble. And that was, as backwards as it sounds, Becky tapping out to Asuka, that was, all of their focus was on Becky. And it's like, they didn't think about how this would look making her lose, I guess. And then, yeah, like you said, Asuka did nothing and lost the belt a few months later and was on the pre-show of WrestleMania. And yeah, I think, I I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, rumors or news came out that Becky was like pushing to have this match or some shit, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a case of, uh, well, we don't really know how to, who to put her up against. So let's just do this. And then we'll say it was the plan the whole time. Exactly. It's like, I just keep thinking like, so the character of Becky Lynch is like, Oh, I have one last debt to, to, to collect. Like, so like, where was this thought in your mind for the past like fucking nine months? Like this, this woman's been in the same roster for you for, you for a long time, huh? 
Oscar tapped tap me out. I should get my revenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait until December. When that's when I'll close. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know it's it's just so it's so clunky too because I, I I don't know who the Kabuki Warriors would wrestle for the tag titles at the Royal Rumble, but it's so weird that they have those belts. Um, I mean, they are head and shoulders above any other women's tag team that they have, but like they just kind of have them almost as part of their ring gear now. I know they defended them last month, but it was that match was kind of a disaster anyway, but. Yeah, I think it's just all kind of thrown together last minute. I mean, it'll be good. Their match last year was awesome. It's just um, kind of like I always say, I love wrestling. I just want some of it to matter. And most of the time, especially in WWE, it feels like it doesn't. That's what I want. I just wanted to make sense. Like, again, like if you're going to have, yeah, kind of go back to the booking last year. Becky taps out to Asuka. So, like, if you're going to not even touch it, at least have Asuka mention, like, oh, hey, so I tapped up Becky, and she won the Rumble, and she's facing – she chose to face Ronda. Like, at least do something with that. At least say, oh, maybe is Becky scared of Asuka? Maybe that's why she didn't choose her for WrestleMania? Granted, it worked out for her in the end, but still. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I, I love Asuka. I mean, if it was up to me, she would be main eventing every pay-per-view and be the champ. And it, But at the same time – she doesn't strike me as someone like Seth or, you know, we brought up Brett earlier. I don't think she really, really takes it too seriously. So I always get the impression she doesn't really have a problem with how they use her. So I probably shouldn't either. She's, you know, she's in a position that wasn't even existent 10 years ago. So God bless her. And she will see what they say about her from years to come, but especially for, uh, Asian women in that company. She was definitely a groundbreaking competitor. Oh, yeah, you, without Oscar, you don't get like a Kyrie Sane or Iwa Shirai being even pushed at all without Oscar's success. Yeah, and I think that uh, because of that, and because they hadn't had really that to go off of, it's been a trial and error thing. I I, I always go back to when Oscar got called up to the main roster. It was like. Her first or second week there, they had her go out and try to do like a three-minute promo in all English. And, you know, that it did not go well. And so because of that, now you get to see them like just shouting in Japanese, which is awesome. And so, you know, it's uh, she's had a good run. It's just selfishly as a fan. Like my dream would be she wins on Sunday and then wrestles, I don't know, Shayna at WrestleMania. But got to take what you can get. Take your victories where you can. Well, let's, let's get let's get to Sunday. Let's get into the to Rumble predictions. Um, we'll just we'll just briefly go over the card before we really get into the Rumble matches. Um, we got Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo. Who you got there? Yeah, I saw they just added that. Um, man, Humberto is definitely the latest victim of that stop and go stuff we were talking about. They just kind of seemed like they wanted to do something with him and then didn't. I think they're finally full board with Andrade. Uh, I personally don't think either guy can really afford to lose the match, but if I had to guess, I'm, I don't think they would have you know, put Andrade over Ray as much as they did if they didn't plan on at least having the belt on him for a while. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like I said, Humberto, it's like the, uh, the Cedric Alexander push of the month. Remember that? They pushed him for, for a hot minute, and he just quietly had faded to obscurity, so I kind of see that happening here. Yeah. Uh, I hope Cedric's in the Rumble or something, because Cedric's really good. I wish they would have done more with him. Exactly. Uh, next up, you got Bailey versus Lacey Evans. So you can help me out with this. I don't watch SmackDown. Lacey Evans is a good guy now? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, I think this is what she should have been all along, because her her real-life story is kind of, they've been adding elements into her character, it, and it's working. This is what, again, like when I see... Lacey wrestled the baby face now. I kept thinking, man, you should they should have debuted her as this. Um, I still think Bailey's winning because I think it's going to be Bailey and Sasha at Mania. <laughs> and, I, and, it's, and again, Bailey's heel run is still kind of starting off. I, so I just wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have her lose the title just quite yet. Yeah, I, I can't. I know they're in love with Lacey Evans. It's pretty clear with how prominently they feature her, but like, I, I don't want to see Pam lose it yet. All right, uh, we got uh, Seamus, and I refuse to call him by this name, uh, so I'm going to call him Chad Gable. What you got? I did not know that's on the card. 
If they gave that like seven minutes, that could fucking rule just like this sprint. Uh, but I'm assuming, have they just had Seamus been coming out and just killing people on TV? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I would assume this may get put on the pre-show and it'd be a pretty quick one and done. But like I said, they give it just like six minutes or something. That could be awesome. I like both those guys a lot. Yeah, if they give if they give this time, this could be a good like fun. Seamus and when Seamus like work, people keep forgetting Seamus is a damn good worker, and especially oh, yeah. like a little guy. So yeah, I I keep going back to him and Brian at uh, at uh, Extreme Rules. They had a damn good match. So if they can well, get, he always least... had that really weird chemistry with John Morrison, where they just had banger after banger. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be fun, but Seamus for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for shame. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, for a match, I have no idea why it's happening. I have no idea why this feud is continuing, but it's Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. I just started laughing when I saw them add that to the card. Uh, again, there's a way for Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin to have an awesome match, but doing it over and over again is not it. Uh, I didn't Roman lose at the last pay per view. And for some odd reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Roman. Is it a? Oh, good. I was gonna say, is it like a no DQ or something? Uh, falls count anywhere. Yeah, it'll be a plunder brawl, and Roman will spear him through a table and win or something. This is one of those things. I saw you tweet this. Like, man, I wish someone could tell Roman how to say no. Like, this feud is just bad. All this dog food stuff they've been adding in there. It's just like, man, just end this. Who wants to see these guys wrestle anymore? Yeah, I, I mean, one of my favorite stories of the past few years was that Nia Jax didn't like creative and texted The Rock about what she should do, and he just told her to leave. Like, I wish like Roman Reigns would reach out to The Rock for stuff like that, too, because it's not just one or two booking decisions that have been bad. We're, we're dealing with uh, five years of questionable booking decisions for Roman Reigns, and Again, it's what we were talking about at the beginning. I think it's all by design to make sure they keep him at a certain level. But, yeah, man, if that dude was like, um, you know, 96 Shawn Michaels in terms of attitude, God, no telling where he'd be. Uh, I'm actually going to say, and I, I hate saying this because that means this is, this feud's going to continue, but I I got Corbin winning because of a reason later on. So a little bit right. that. Uh, next match, Becky and Asuka, we kind of t- – touch briefly on this i want oscar to win i would love it for her to win but i i, I think becky's holding on to this belt until mania yeah and it, it, it i hope it's for something i hope it's i would hate for becky to win and get this big triumphant victory back and then her just wrestle fucking charlotte at wrestlemania my hope is uh ronda is like a surprise entrant and then goes on for that but we'll we'll get into that when we talk about the rumbles but you know, give him 15 minutes, make it matter. I'm sure it'll be good. And also, but yes, I, Becky. Think, I don't think it's the end of it because then they're, they're, it's going to be, oh, we're, we're one and one now. So we'll do like some kind of uh, rubber match at the next uh, pay per view. So. I'll take it. Uh, next up, we got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan in a strap match for the WWE Universal Championship. Look. You already brought it up. Daniel Bryan is the only person that's been able to get a good singles match out of Bray Wyatt. And that's, that's not, I'm not saying that's the only good match Bray's ever had because all those six mans and shit he was in were always fun. But like, for whatever reason, namely because he's one of the best ever, Bryan figures out how to make that shit work. I even liked their match last month where it was him against The Fiend, mainly because Bryan's the only person that's wrestled him not like a fucking idiot so far. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, Finn and Seth and Miz and like all these people just had like the windmill technique where they just ran at him, arms flailing. Brian just like actually attacked him and tried to fight him. And I actually really enjoyed their match. Uh, do we know what kind of strap match? Is it a strap match like they whip each other or they have to touch all four corners or? It's a Yappa Pie strap match. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, they haven't. They haven't said what kind of strap matches. I'm assuming it's just. Um, I assume, I assume it's just like the four corners. That that way, it kind of protects 
Cause I don't think Brian can afford a, a pinfall loss at this point after his new look and everything. Cause I, I, that's kind of yeah, given away. I think I think Bray's winning, but yeah, I didn't even think of that. But you're right. Yeah, I look. Uh, I would have to think long and hard to come up with a bad Brian Danielson match. So I'm confident he's gonna he'll figure it out, and it'll be fun. It'll be nine minutes or something. Um, not looking forward to the red lighting uh, in the stadium, but. We'll do what we got to do, but yeah, Bray's winning. Okay, uh, so we'll get to the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, get, we know the 30, men, 30 women winner gets the championship match at WrestleMania. It's weird. This year, it doesn't feel like they're promoting that, that Women's Rumble that much. Do they have 30 women? Well, I mean, they'll probably you know get people from NXT, NXT UK. You'll get like the, some legends back, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's my thing is like, um, the first year they did it, it was novelty because it, it, it was new. I'm not saying that the women are novelty. I'm saying that the match was because it was new and it was fun. And so that was okay. Cause if I remember correctly, like half of that rumble was like, uh, legends and like divas of the past type thing. Oh yeah. Uh, it was over. Yeah. And like the Bella twins were in it and they weren't even active, but so that was fine the first year. Last year, I was not. I thought both Rumble matches were not good last year, but the main reason with the women, it just it showed how thin the roster is. Uh, that being said, with NXT having TV and stuff, they've done a lot of. Um, uh, they've made a lot more uh, prominent women figures on their shows. So I think when someone like an Io Shirai or a Bianca Belair comes out for the rumble it'll definitely seem you know there won't be that like indifference from the crowd yeah i think like if they, yeah exactly i think if they, they if they pace it well sprinkle you know a few stars and pockets here and that type of thing i i think it'll be good uh i have no earthly idea who's winning i would we'll, we'll, uh we'll, we're getting the winner we'll, we'll do and we'll do the same format for the men's rumble too okay so who do you who do you have for one and two surprise entrance and number 30 Oh, Jesus. Um, one and two. Uh, I, maybe like Charlotte for one or two, just to get like a big name out there to start off with. and Because um, it seems like they, they always want Charlotte to be the focus of the show in some facet. So, And considering she has nothing going on right now, that would not surprise me if she's like the Iron Woman in that match. And um, two, I, I don't know. Let's just say Mo. Mo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of I, I'm Candice LeRae. I'll just throw something random out. Um, for my one and two, I would, I would go uh, Charlotte and Natalia. Um, number 30, and this is kind of go with my surprise entrant. I think Nia Jax returns. Man, you didn't tell me I was getting on this Natalia Love Hour podcast. I'm tired of talking about <laughs> Natalia. Um, hey, shout out to the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> I mean, like I said just a few minutes ago, my dream scenario is that Rhonda comes back and is like the mystery or the surprise at number 30. Yeah, I got, well, uh, I got Rhonda. But I think, I think Rhonda is going to be like 28, 29, and then, it, and then Nia Jax will be the, another surprise. I think it, it won't surprise many people, but I have a feeling that they're going to treat Shayna Baszler being in the Rumble like a big surprise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but my hope is Shayna or Ronda wins. Yeah, I got Ronda, and then if Ronda's not then in it, then Shayna should win, and it's in it, Shayna and Becky. And then with a slight chance of Sasha winning to set up the SmackDown side, but I, I, mean, I doubt it. There's a lot of people that are already down on the idea of um, Shayna and Becky at Mania because that triple threat at the Survivor Series wasn't that good. And my argument to that is, like, most WWE triple threat matches are not good anymore. And then, two, it just probably didn't seem like that big of a deal because that crowd was dead. They'd sat through, like, a total of, like, 10 hours of wrestling already that weekend. Exactly. And also, too, like... Story and build means a lot. There was really not much of a story to that match. So, no, yeah. So that all to say, I am very open to the idea of Becky and Ronda or Becky and Shayna at WrestleMania. If it's uh, if it's Becky and Ronda, then I got uh, 
Becky beating Ronda, and then Shayna debuts the night after WrestleMania, and Shayna Shayna beats Becky at like the pay per view after Mania. Backlash. Uh, well, it should be backlash, but I think it's like what Extreme Rules now or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh wait, no. It's, 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 well, it's the Saudi show, but then like, I oh, never mind. The Saudi shows before Mania this year. Never mind. Uh, yeah, I heard they're doing that again on a Thursday with the idea of everyone being back in time for TV on Friday because that went so well last time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, before we get to the men's rumble, we'll talk about that here in a second. Like, what they should have done last time and what they could still do this time, because people have been making like a big stink about how there was no Evolution 2, just have that SmackDown be the Evolution uh, pay-per-view special kind of thing. Sure. I mean... The SmackDown we got after the last Blood Money when they just had to throw it together last minute was like the best episode of television they've done in months. So, and because you got you got guys like Brian who doesn't go, uh, who else is on SmackDown that doesn't go? I think The Miz doesn't go to those anymore. Uh, oh, doesn't? No, I'm kidding. The last. That's why when Punk made that tweet, it's just like, dude, he didn't go to the last Saudi show. I don't think he's been to the last two of them. Good for him. Um, I don't. I don't think we'll ever really know what really happened with that last one, but I, I guess the pay is really good. I just, I'd have a really hard time in that position being sold on going there, especially considering those shows don't fucking matter. Like they, they don't, they have no real impact canonically in the WWE. I guess Bray won the belt there, but like that Cain Velasquez Lesnar match happened and like nothing got mentioned about it afterwards. Well, that's a good transition to the uh, the men's rumble. With um, so Brock is in the rumble this year, which I I don't have a problem with because I've I've seen a lot of people agree with this fact too. There was nobody for him to wrestle at the rumble this year. They did such a poor job of building up somebody to wrestle him for the championship. I do. Um, I was kind of hoping we would get just some random fucking one off like last year when. <laughs> They just shined up Finn on two weeks' notice, and then him and Brock had that incredible like six-minute match. Um, but they like it's funny because we were talking about Cena like giving and helping people. The only way they were able to shine up Finn for that was having Cena put him over. Like I think he can beat him. Da 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 da. Um, but yeah, you're right. I remember. I remember. Uh, like people were thinking they were just going to throw together him and Drew last minute. And man, mm-hmm. for how many? they've like stopped and gone with drew if he's gonna actually wrestle brock i want a real build for it drew has earned that so we'll see what happens there yeah um the only like but when they were saying oh brock to me around i was like kind of thinking who who could face them it's like the only thing i could see them doing is like inserting him into this rusev lashley thing because i i think vince would love to see lashley and brock at some point because well, that was I mean, the only other main program going, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if, if we leave this planet having not seen uh, Lasher versus Lesnar match, I think we will all be lesser people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the idea of Brock being in the Rumble was cool, and then I heard he was going to be number one, and I was, I was like, huh? So, yeah, I mean... I don't think physically he can wrestle for an hour in front of bright lights. He'll be a fully cooked lobster by the end of it. <laughs> who do you uh, who do you have for number two? Matt Riddle, baby. Let's let's do it. <laughs> um, I keep people keep saying, "Oh, Kane, it should be Kane Velasquez," but again, like you like you mentioned, I already I saw Brock beat Kane in two minutes. That's it. I don't need to see it again. He clean. He, he beat him as a sheet. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the story there? And we were just talking about it a minute ago with like the women's rumble and like the abject silence that some of those women have been met with. Man, I, I know who Cain Velasquez is, but when he debuted, the crowd reaction is not uh, an Austin 99 pop. It was not. And I really I, I just don't think people are going to buy the idea of a, a Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez WrestleMania match. Or uh, even to lesser extent Tyson Fury either. No, I would want to see Tyson Fury and Brock because there would be like the threat of that becoming a shoot at any second. It would be incredible. Uh, so, yeah, so who who do you got for number two? Which like uh, throw a random name. Uh, out there. Who do you got? Matt Riddle. Oh, yeah, uh, number, 30. Riddle. Right. Yeah, uh, number thirty. Number hmm. 
uh, trying to think of who would be a big surprise. Uh, um, big. Or, I guess they haven't done anything for like contendership. I, I'd be cool if they found some way to like wiggle Seth into number 30 is like, you know, he sneaks his way in there and then like gets immediately tossed over or something. But I can't really think of any huge surprises for the match. Uh, yeah, this, this is not like the women's where I can like I can picture surprises. Uh, yeah, maybe the like far off chance John Cena shows up. Um, That'd random. be dope. Um, like you get like you get, you get like your NXT guys. Like I, I assume Keith Lee's going to be in the Rumble too. I think he's I he's my pick for number thirty. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, there's a couple guys, uh, you know, I'm really hoping Drew looks strong. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, I'm hoping uh, Alistair Black looks strong. They, they've done a good job of making you, like, wonder who's going to be the final four. Um, but, yeah, it kind of, it would kind of just seem not like a waste, but just kind of like life on its side if Kane Velasquez won it. It would just kind of be like, eh, okay. I, um, I don't think he's going to win, but I think, Again, if you the way that they've been pushing Drew this past couple of weeks on Raw, it's like, okay, this is it. If you're going to do something, write it through. So ha- I'd have him eliminate Brock, and that's just set up for the Brock's mania matches, him and him and Drew. Yeah, yeah, that'd be. It's for like I said, all the trials and tribulations Drew's gone through, and the main thing is people forget when Drew is used properly, he's awesome. Uh, this goofy babyface shit they've been doing with him the past few weeks is not awesome. But, you know, what can you do? I think he's definitely going to eliminate Orton. I think that's his big arc they've built up to. But, and, yeah, there's yeah, some... Orton eliminated Styles and his big elimination is Brock. Ah, uh, God, I love so much that they're probably going to do Orton and AJ at WrestleMania again just because Orton got pissed about the lights last year. That is that is so beautiful. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people I've been reading have similar thoughts to you about they think Keith Lee is going to be a, a big wrecking ball in the match, which fine with me. Again, it's just like keep, we keep talking about this. Like, it's like you, you established this like push for him at Survivor Series. You got to follow through on it. Like, don't don't slow down. Don't don't get uh, don't get cold feet on them. Just start. You already started a little thing of him and him mixing up with the main roster guys. So continue on with that trend. Yeah, and just a disclaimer for those listening and those that'll be watching at home: if Walter comes out at any point in the Royal Rumble match, you'll hear a ruckus from the upper deck of me causing a small riot from excitement. So. Uh, so for the winner, I mean, I, I, I got Reigns winning this thing. Like, come on. He's been, yeah. out of the, this, and this is why I have him losing to Corbin too, because then you do the story. Oh, he lost earlier in the night. They're going to do the same thing they did with Becky last year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for all the things happening at mania, the thing I will be most stunned about WrestleMania is if Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns does not happen. Cause that seems to be the most obvious direction. Exactly, and then it's like that picture I showed you. I I see Mania ending, especially because it's in Tampa, his, his home state. He, it's it's the title he never lost, yep. so he holds up the Universal Championship, and the commentators make a big thing how he's come. Yeah, uh, he it, it just seems like the most logical conclusion, and you know it's not my first choice to win, but like. Um, like the 2016 and 2017 Rumbles, I think about like, I, I you know Orton and Triple H weren't my first picks to win, but those matches were so awesome that it was just like, okay, this is fine. That's just kind of what I'm hoping for here, just as long as it's fun. And like last year, just seemed like so much filler. So I'm just kind of hoping for you know the Rumble match to be good again. Yeah, me too. Like like you mentioned last year's Rumbles, I remember we were watching at your house. I was just so bored because no, it wasn't it wasn't paced very well. So hopefully this year they, again, so I'm assuming the men's rumble is going to start with Brock just tossing out guys. Like whoever's number two will just toss up quickly until like, and this would be a good way to redeem Braun, but like say that then Braun comes out and they actually have a little bit of back and forth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if Brock's going to be okay with that. <laughs> based on what we've seen historically. I did forget to mention, um, one of the surprise returns that I really hope for, because I got some serious love for him. I hope Ginger Mahal comes back. He's not going to do anything, but still, I'll be happy just to see him out there. Yeah, yeah. I can see Ginger being the Rumble. I can see, uh, cause I, 
I believe that he's been at the performance center. I could see Velveteen Dream showing up. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. All right, we we've talked for an hour about wrestling, and God, God help us, we can talk for like ten hours about wrestling. But I that would not make for a good episode. So. <laughs> you and I have shared many car rides that were in excess of four or five hours, where I think we talked about wrestling the whole time. So it's been proven we can talk about it all day if we need to. Yeah, for real, brother. Well, and you know, to to get real talk, man, like you, Stein, your sis, Amanda, like. All the times we go to wrestling shows, it's always a thrill of my life. It's always best. It's always, it's always amazing. Um, hopefully, we'll get to do it here soon again. I'm assuming if Mania is in Las Vegas, I mean that's where we know how it's all going to end now. But um, oh yeah, that's, if they announce that's... Mania 37 from Vegas, or if they announce for LA, and you guys, you guys are feel free to come here and come here and crash. So hell yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get the band back together here sooner rather than later. And hopefully, hopefully, like I said, hopefully sooner. But um, <laughs> all right, brother, we'll put yourself over. Where can the people on the internet find you? Uh, I first and foremost, just plug. I, I do a film podcast called The Contrarians with myself and my buddy Julio Oliveira. Our website is wearethecontrarians.com. Uh, you can follow where, us on Twitter. You're wrong and you're right. Is that how it goes? That's our expression. Yeah, we we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine, as we say. It's a uh, if. If satirical uh, movie reviews are your thing, then definitely recommend it. Uh, that's we also have a Twitter account at Contrarian Prime. My personal Twitter account is at Contrarian Alex. That's where you'll go to uh, interact with me with a bunch of takes about wrestling, and we can argue about you know uh, CZW matches from 2004, which ones were better than others, and yeah. Uh, but check out my podcast. Continue to support Chris's podcast. That's that's what I got on my end. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Hey, if you guys ever want to like piss off Alex, tweet him at Contrarian Alex and say Brett screw Brett. From, uh... <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to continue on the Natalia Power Love Hour, feel free to just to to go ahead and tweet them all things Natalia. That's pretty much an instant block. Just a word uh, heads up on that. All right, brother. Well, thank you, Alex, so much for coming on the show. Like like he mentioned, check out the Contrarians. You guys just recently did a episode about the Watchmen movie, which I highly recommend you guys checking out. Um, again, Royal Rumbles this Sunday. Will most of our predictions match up? Will we be right? Will we be wrong? Hopefully there are some surprises in there, but the, the important thing is I just want it to be a fun show. So hopefully the Rumble is going to be a fun weekend. I mean, I'm actually heading to New York this weekend, so I will not be watching the Royal Rumble live. I'll be watching it when I come back on Monday. So I'm going to be trying to avoid any spoilers, but like I said, hopefully it's a good show and hopefully Alex has a good time at the event. And like I said, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.